Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Steve Reeve Podcast with the best moments from the past week and a few things that didn't make it there. Tuesday. Alberta's War Room, more officially referred to as the Canadian Energy Center. Uh, the Alberta War Room has a new enemy in its sights. They have started a campaign against a Netflix cartoon called Bigfoot Family. Okay. Wait, hang on. Two things. If you're getting upset about an evil oil tycoon in a kid's show, it's not a new thing. That trope was tired when kids' cartoons were being made for me. Hell, the big bad guy in the Muppets revival movie from 2011 was Tex Richman, and he wanted to tear down the Muppet theater for, you guessed it, oil. (laughs) And also, second thing, this is what the War Room is spending its attention on right now. They have got a petition online that, I mean, you can go ahead and you can go take a look. Uh, not, well, not really a petition. It's like an email send-out form that you can add your name to, much like an automated uh, online petition. But they say, oh, more than a 1,000 people have taken advantage of that out of all of us Albertans. Um, it, I think that this is a little bit ridiculous, and it just seems to me that weren't we just talking about... Uh, campaigning to help pipelines get built and connected and things, and now it's like, hey, Netflix, your CGI movie about a Bigfoot dad is tearing us apart. The incredible vocal skills of Michael Winslow, who, I mean, I know you know him as the sound effects guy from the Police Academy movies. That is what got him to fame, Uh, and he hasn't really been hugely in the limelight, but he is still seriously impressive. There's a quick video that was posted by Mike Warburton on Twitter. Uh, The video posted uh, an excerpt from his appearance on a Norwegian TV show. I wish I knew the title so I could tell you, but, uh, but nonetheless, he isn't there to make sound effects like helicopters and guns shooting and police sirens or anything like that. It's music. You know how he'd always do the guitar solos? I think he did that in uh, one of the Cheech and Chong movies to incredible comedic effect. This time, less funny, just seriously impressive. He's jamming out some Led Zeppelin. Whole lot of loves to be, to be specific. The guitar you hear is, of course, not a guitar. <laughs> My brain does not compute the talent it takes to do that. My favorite part of the whole video, too, is when he's asked if he wants to do some Led Zeppelin. Hey, do you want to do it in the original key that the artist performed it in, or do you want to change it up? He knows his music. He knows his sound effects. He knows how to wow. Holy cow. You're listening to the Steve Reeve Podcast from 100.5 Cruise FM. Music news right now. The Nine Inch Nails pairing of Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross humbled and flattered by their Oscar nominations. The announcements came yesterday. The duo have scored some incredibly powerful music for films in recent years. This year, 
They've received Academy recognition for their work on both the David Fincher drama Mank, which is in the lead for nominations overall, and Pixar's animated film Soul. They could be adding a statue to the Social Network win from 2011. And from the upcoming awards show to the last one that just happened, uh, Wolfgang Van Halen is... a. Disappointed with the Grammys, apparently, specifically with their tribute to his late father, Eddie Van Halen. Apparently, he was requested to play a rendition of his own of Eruption to pay tribute, but he declined. And his reason saying uh, on Twitter, he says, I don't think anyone could have lived up to what my father did for music but himself. However, he did go on to say he's surprised that the tribute amounted to about 15 seconds of pop being played in the midst of his own words for full performances for others we had lost. Very interesting. They did do a tribute, and perhaps it was a mixed communication kind of situation uh, where they would have had a larger tribute had he said yes, but he declined and said no. It's hard to tell where the fault is right there. Wednesday. A UK woman... She says she's going to change your life in a video that was posted just this week. She says she wants you to be able to uh, watch your Netflix at the most convenient of times when you're just stuck being unable to do so. Um, She wants you to poop backwards so that you can eat and watch Netflix using the back of the toilet, you know, the lid of the tank, to hold your various supplies. There's no way that this is authentic. I'm debunking this right now. There's no way that this is real. I refuse to believe that she actually does this when she's not making content. I've watched the video. It's cringy. And here is my proof, though. Here's the proof to back up what I'm saying. The exemplary snack that she selected for the video uh, to simulate her backwards BM was a tray of two-bite brownies. Brownies! Come come on! That's both on the nose and up it at the same time. What's the rule, my friends? What's the rule? You know it. You know it. You don't eat where you poop. Plus also, I just sit facing forwards and look at my phone and watch Netflix. Come on! What are we, amateurs? Now there's this in Alberta, uh, this vaccination chronic condition registration. They're looking at trying to get about 600,000 Albertans vaccinated through April. Individuals with chronic conditions, they've got a full list of them, you know, uh, diabetes requiring insulin, pregnancy, kidney, liver disease, heart, cardiovascular, tons. You'll have to look up the exact details if you want to find out the information. But here's the part that really caught my eye. You won't need a doctor's note. It is going to be on, and they literally say this, the honor system. The honor system. Wait, what? Okay, I'm I'm torn. I am because I don't think that there should be an added burden on those with chronic conditions who should be prioritized for vaccination. I don't think that that should change. But also... The honor system only goes so far, and it's usually as far as the first dishonest person is. So, sometimes falls apart. You will absolutely have some people that are scheming to take advantage of this, and that totally sucks. But there will always be selfish people, right? And that's not going to change. But it would just be nice if the government of Alberta was to be able to like do something in the form of confirmation of the facts. Maybe some form of penalty for those who are found out after the fact to have been fibbing. To have been making up some falsehoods. See, that wasn't so hard, right? I don't think it was that hard to figure out. Maybe, maybe I should get into politics. On second thought, no thank you.
CSNY, Cosby Stills, Nash & Young's Deja Vu is 50 years old, and a milestone reissue is coming, and coming soon. It's quite an expansion from the original release, which is one of my all-time favorites. Grew up listening to it. Um, taking up four CDs and one LP with this new release, including unreleased demos, outtakes, alternate versions, and more. Technically... Technically, the album is 51 years old as it came out March 11th, 1970, and we're in 2021 now. The release date, May 15th, better late than never. And the Strokes, they landed their first Grammy over the weekend. They formed over 20 years ago and uh, finally got one specifically best rock album with the new Abnormal. And that has gotten them some uh, extra attention and interviews. And in one of those interviews, the members of The Strokes, specifically the frontman Julian Casablancas, stated that there's so much opportunity to mix different musical genres together that there's room for anything except for, <laughs> it says, blues rock. You know, the whole Led Zeppelin style thing and everything that's come from the 60s and 70s and has been influencing bands even as far as today. It says no more of that. We don't need any more of that. Hey, Alexa, play the Steve Reeve podcast. Smart home devices. There's a new one that just arrived on the market. Uh, at least the pre-orders just began yesterday for the Google Nest Hub upgrade. This latest device boasts a singular feature that you haven't seen in other devices, and that is it utilizes radar to track your sleep. Wait, wait, hang on, what? <laughs> yeah, this is a real thing. Google has announced that this thing that's going to be coming out is shortly, I think end of April-ish, May-ish, is when they actually arrive on the shelves, uh, is going to be able to track your sleep as close to the awareness of your, your if you've breathed in or not if your chest has moved up or down like precise measurements and that kind of weirds me out i mean i think that maybe i'm a little technophobic when it comes to that even though i do have the smart speaker that's constantly listening to everything i do at home but still uh, this sounds a little bit weird like this technology is becoming santa claus but only the creepier parts the he sees you when you're sleeping he knows if you're awake parts it gives a very big brother social dystopia vibe to the he knows if you've been bad or good so be good for goodness sake if they know if my chest has moved while i've been sleeping what else do they know about me Trying to wrap my head around this just a little bit more. Uh, people apparently were experiencing so-called existential dread when watching the latest episode of The Simpsons, and there's a certain reason why for it. Uh, the episode, it's titled, Do Pizza Bots Dream of Electric Guitars? I love that. That was a great reference. Philip K. Dick reference. Uh, but uh, it puts Homer Simpson as a teenager in a flashback to the 90s. Do you see why that feels a little bit weird? We've seen Homer Simpson as a teenager in the 60s and the 70s before. You know, we've seen Bart as a young child in the 80s. Now Homer as a teenager in the 90s and uh, less uh, old Abe Simpson as his dad in that same era. I, I get it. I get it. People are, people are feeling strange about that. But here's the thing. I don't know if you happen to notice, but The Simpsons has been on for decades and it's always done this. You realize that they haven't actually aged at all yet? It's a cartoon! Thursday. Do you ever sneak food so that your partner or family does not know about it? I want to know about it myself. Morning conversation. We can use a fake name if you need. Give me a call or a text. 780-715-CRUISE. That's 2789. The reason I ask is because of this Reddit story. So this is from the account of, of a girl who said that a multi-year relationship ended because she began living vegan when they moved in together about a year ago and had since become obsessed with chicken nuggets, saying she was literally waking up 
from dreams of being surrounded by them. It, it just became an obsession where she could not hold on to it. She wanted to be vegan in all ways, but just could not let this thing go. So twice a week, she says, she was sneaking out and coming up with lies and excuses to go and enjoy her nuggets. Six or ten pack, I'm not sure exactly of the size or even of the location that they came from. Perhaps she had a variety. Who knows? Point being, she ate food that she said that she wasn't eating. She fibbed, she lied, she was false, she got found out, she explained the situation, and still, the uh, the breakup still happened. I think that's a little bit extreme. I think that that's not a, taking into account that people can make mistakes, and there's there's room for nuance in all things. Just have a conversation about it, right? Who knows what the situation was, but have you ever snuck food so your partner or family doesn't know? I definitely have, and not even so much that I've gone and eaten something they don't know about at all. It's more like I get a little extra something, you know, to tide myself over on the drive home. The brilliant live adventure series featuring iconic live performances from the uh, career of David Bowie. It's going to be coming to a close on April 2nd. The six-part series of albums that spanned the 90s ends on a 1999 New York City show at the Kit Kat Club. The concert was apparently very intimate with an audience of invitees and contest winners only instead of ticket holders. The album is going to be made available on CD and vinyl just as with the previous five installments. In fact, it's a available for pre-order already. Geezer Butler is now living into his namesake age range and is looking at his legacy. The Black Sabbath bassist says that he has begun writing his autobiographical memoirs, specifically for his grandkids. I'm sure having it packaged, produced, and published is going to be you know, not a bad thing as well. A little extra cash, but the initial reason is for his grandkids to be able to read it. He goes on to say uh, that when his parents died, he always wished he'd asked them a lot more things than he knew about. In his own words, I don't really know much about my mom and dad because they were always just there. So I started writing a memoir for my grandkids to read, and it's been fun going through stuff, old times and growing up in Birmingham, England. I'm right in the middle of doing that at the moment, though he is very far from suggesting a release date. He's just enjoying the process at the moment. Thanks for listening to the Steve Reeve Podcast from 100.5 Cruise FM. Thanks so much for, for taking some time. I'm really Gonzalez right here from Fort McMurray and also from <laughs> all over TV and film right now. Uh, you're exploding. This is very cool. Thanks. Thanks so much for taking some time. I'm, you got to be super busy. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, sometimes I still have to check myself because it feels so surreal. And the fact that it's only been very few years in my professional career. But I mean, since Fort McMurray, I guess it's been what? 14 years since I moved to Canada and I've been doing theater since. So I have some skills in my, in my <laughs> toolbox, but this is like next level. I get to apply that in the professional world. So it's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Your home base is Toronto these days. Yes. Yeah. So you're in the, you're in the Ontario area. Um, when's the last time you had a chance to like visit these parts A pandemic, <gasps> obviously affecting that possibility. Yeah, probably like two or three years I was in Calgary. Um, Cause yeah, I still have a lot of friends there, actually. Obviously, there's still a lot of people in Edmonton and Calgary and Fort McMurray. Yeah. So anytime I'm back there, I can still like message someone and they'll be like, absolutely, let's hang out. <laughs> Do you have like a favorite time that you were on stage while you were here in Fort McMurray performing? Like, is there um, uh, like a role or production that was favorite that gave you the experience? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, I remember the feeling I had when I got to play Gabriella in High School Musical. And I booked the lead. So that was next level. You know, I had always done 
theater show in high school and I, I did some main roles, but this was my first lead in the community theater, which yeah. they're like, it was a big deal because those shows sell out and that's very rare. I mean, it's all we had. We had one theater. So yeah. doing high school musical and all of the kids coming up to us, like at the end, wanting pictures, wanting to talk to us. Um, I loved that audience engagement and just being on stage felt so good. I knew at that moment that I had to pursue it professionally I was like this is what I'm meant to do I really really want to do it and to this day I think people are still they still like send me messages like oh I remember you from like Fort McMurray and doing these shows I'm like that's crazy you say that that's kind of the moment where you knew that this is what you wanted to pursue this this is the career goal um what experiences like do you draw on from this time here now in your career because I grew up in Venezuela, I think I was always surrounded by music and dancing and performing in some way. And I was always very eager to go on stage and be seen. So it wasn't even like I was shy or nervous. I think being in Canada and especially starting out in Fort McMurray, where, like you said, it, it was isolating in a way. But at the same time, it, there was a very intense focus in finding what I wanted to do. I was in sports. I was in dance. I was in Uh, musicals and like the theater community but that always persevered that was always my main goal and my passion so the fact that I got to kind of have that huge support from the community especially when I decided to move forward and go audition for the National Theater School I remember I was in the VPA program and I had to prepare my callback audition and I actually got to perform it for a bunch of people there before I left so I just felt like everybody was just like we believe in you. We know you can do this. And I don't know that that would have happened anywhere else because it was so one-on-one. It was so private and unique. And Fort McMurray gave me that. Well, who's to say, but I mean, maybe, right. I mean, maybe it's just Mm going to have that Fort McMurray intensity. That's totally cool. And you had so many successes since then. Let's talk about the most recent and and perhaps the biggest uh, Ginny and Georgia (laughs) on Netflix. Um, This is huge. Holy cow. Uh, I knew this is going to be well-received. I was trying to get in touch with you, you know, as before it was actually launched, before it was released. But now it's been like number one on Netflix's top 10 in countries across the entire planet. What does this feel like? What This is a massive reaction. How does it feel? (laughs) It feels amazing. Honestly, I don't know that we knew the impact it would have back in 2019 where we were shooting this, but there was an energy because that cast and the crew and the creators, everyone behind and in front of the camera was so connected. And we knew we had so much fun. We literally hung out with each other constantly. And from reading the scripts to seeing it on screen, it was just completely different. I remember when it came out, it was what, like the 24th, I I was still shooting. So I didn't have a chance to like binge it like everybody was. (laughs) So I was just listening to comments and listening to people and the excitement, the representation, the feeling like they're being seen on screen. Um, I get hundreds and hundreds of messages every single day, just people saying thank you and uh, saying that they feel seen on screen, saying that they, you know, the story resonates with them. And that to me is everything, honestly. And I knew that by playing a queer character and being Latina, that was also another huge platform that I would have and to be able to connect with the same kind of people because it's not easy being in that category, being where I'm from. So it was, it's just very inspiring. And I'm just happy that I got to be kind of like, a pioneer in that. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> representation is so so important, and and to be you know to be able to like to be at like kind of the forefront of that, I think is cool. You kind of answered my mm -hmm. next question. I wanted to get into you know how people have been connecting because I've seen the reactions online, I've seen the Instagram stories, and I've seen the the, the posts yeah. all over Twitter and everything. People love your character Sophie and and the Max and Sophie storyline. So yeah. um, you've had just this crazy outreach. Is there anything that sticks out to you uh, from people that have reached out? Absolutely. And I can't possibly read or answer to everybody, but the ones that I tend to read and answer to, or at least acknowledge that I see them are people who really, they put their heart out there. I'm a complete a stranger in the internet, but they feel this courage and this like connection to be able to either come out or say that they've had the courage to, to live their truth, to love who they love. They feel seen and heard and mm -hmm. just it's it means a lot to me because listen i didn't have that growing up at all um it took me a long time to get to where i am now to to actually own the fact that i am queer and i grew up in a certain in a community that wasn't always accepting of that and to me it means a lot that i get to kind of like discover that through my art um honestly like this this career has shaped and allowed me to like safely own my truth so it's like I connect with them because I'm like, I know exactly what you're going through and just know that like, yeah. as long as you feel safe and you just, you practice self-love and you know who you are, like live for you. And if you're inspired by what you see on TV, like that means something. It's like your inner calling to be like, I'm just going to be myself. Yeah. And obviously there's, there's drama. There's all kinds of drama within, within mm -hmm. the story of Ginny and Georgia. I mean, inherent in like the, the relationship of the title characters and everything, but, yeah. but it, the, the relationship uh, and, and uh, at least the building of the relationship, cause spoilers, I haven't quite finished yet. <laughs> um, with, with oh my Sophie gosh, and Max. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just feel like it's effortless. I love that the relationship seems effortless and that's not necessarily the issue is is do people think this is okay it's like no this is okay we're gonna do it yeah. these are the stories we want to tell now you know we have to normalize just people yeah. being in different kinds of relationships i love that their sexuality is not the reason they're on here it's just that's just who they are and they just happen to have this connection to each other and they pursue it in a very natural way it just progresses yeah. so easily and i loved that yeah have you been labeled a role model by anybody yet have as that as that term come out yeah definitely yeah. every day and <laughs> listen i've never had this much attention or eyes on my platform yeah. and i am in no way perfect either i have my own role models and people that i look up to because they share with love and empathy and they are just like so honest and authentic and that's kind of what i want to do uh in my own way and i do get messages often and people saying that they they're inspired by me and they admire what i do and you know that's it's more even more encouragement to keep fighting for that and keep yeah. just getting closer to me and the more i share honestly about who i am and what i believe in and what i stand for other people can also feel encouraged to to do that as well and that's all i want i just want everyone to kind of just be like their best selves so you yeah. probably uh, don't know because we haven't seen any official release yet for season two or anything like that. But um, we can talk we about some other yet. things you've got coming up. Um, yeah. and, and, and stop me if I'm getting into anything you're not allowed to talk about, of course. But a uh, <laughs> big film with Bob Odenkirk that's coming out. Um, nobody. <gasps> so soon. Nobody yes. is coming out very, very soon. This is, this is a huge month. Um, what mm. can you tell us about that? What was it like being on that feature film? Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all. It was my first uh, Universal film, which is obviously 
something that I think every actor wants to be a part of. Like, you see the Universal logo. And I'm like, I just want to, like, be on screen for, like, a second of that logo. As big as the Um, planet. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really cool. I mean, uh, I have uh, an actual role in it um, right at the start of the movie. And... Honestly, the experience in itself was the reason it was worth it to be able to work with Bo Bottenkirk. Um, he's incredibly committed to his craft. I learned so much just from watching him work and he was very, very open to having us be part of his process. So I just took it all in. It was, it was kind of like getting to see a glimpse into like the big players and the big <laughs> guns, you know, the things that I yeah. am a strive, like aspiring to do. So um, I'm very excited for it. I know that, you know, Bob Odenkirk, like he really worked hard for this. This is so different from anything he's done. I actually was just on Instagram and I saw that nobody movie just posted like a little behind the scenes of how he prepared for this because he actually had to do a lot of training um, like physically. And ah, that's so inspiring to me that you can work on your physical body for a role, you know, like when you have enough time to yeah. really prepare and transform for a part. Um, so I'm just very happy for him and for the whole team and to have yeah. been even a small part of it. It was, yeah. uh, it takes a whole team, right? Yeah. So well, no I mean, small was, parts. <laughs> none, none, none ever. You're also a video game voice artist, but maybe more now. Uh, did you do motion capture work for Far Cry 6? Yes, I did. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, that's another thing that's got to be under wraps. But what can you can you tell us? <laughs> I just know that it's going to be freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, my first video game was Starlink. Yeah. And that one was more catered to young audiences. And it was a lot more wholesome. And it was my first experience doing full body motion capture and voice. So it was a world that I always wanted to get into. And I've done a lot of voice stuff in the past. And then when Far Cry came to the table, it was just, that's like next level because it's a lot more intense. It's for adults, um, lots of physicality, lots of different types of characters. And I'm so excited. (laughs) I can't wait to play it. I'm not like a huge gamer. I only recently started playing uh, The Last of Us on PS4. And it's the first time that I, you know, it's like, that kind of game where you have to like kill and do all of these things like violent. I'm like, I'm not like a Mario Kart person, okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm going to have to play this one uh, just to be able to support all of my friends that are in it um, and to see the storyline. I know they've been working really, really hard to get the best game ever, which is why it's been delayed a bit. But I'm like, it is so much better to take your time to make a great game than to just release it for the sake of having it. So Absolutely. when it comes out, We'll be playing. <laughs> yeah, we will be definitely. Hype is a hard thing to control. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, it like, is. I don't think you can control it. Sometimes it works in your favor. Sometimes it doesn't. So it's it's yeah. just tough. But but a video game that comes out that's nice and polished is going to be loved. So I think that this this is going to be Absolutely. a beloved game for sure. Do you have anything else coming out that you can mention that we need to know about? Um, there's two shows that I have premiering. Um, can't talk about them too much. Right. One of them is Jupiter's Legacy, and that'll be coming out on Netflix on May 7th. Um, it was a surreal experience for me. Cool. That team was incredible. It was one of the biggest productions I've ever been a part of that's ever shot in Toronto. So yeah, it's epic, epic, epic. The team around it, the friends that I made, the directors, everyone was so on and um, completely different from anything I've ever done. So I'm very excited for that. And the other show is an NBC show called Nurses where I got to play a doctor. And that's cool. also very, very different. <laughs> uh, we don't know when that one's releasing yet, actually. Uh, the finale happened recently on NBC for season one. So um, I'm sure it's going to come at some point this year. 
But uh, that was my first very mature role because I tend to play younger than older, um, my actual age. So this role, you know, playing a doctor was a challenge, uh, having a career and then having to also like <laughs> be older and be a doctor. I'm like, that's something I've never, ever tackled, but it was a huge learning experience. Yeah. And I'm very excited for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm convinced that real adults don't know how to be adults either. We just think of them that way. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I refuse to ever become an actual adult. Um, but we, we here for McMurray, we cheer you on. We appreciate you so much. Um, I literally had some people say uh, to me today that we have to say, uh, you know, t tell hum Umberly that we really are rooting for you and, and watching everything that's coming out. So you've got a huge, <laughs> Huge fan base here, dedicated fans in Fort McMurray. Um, and it's we're so happy to be able to see you shine. This is cool. Thank you so much for thank you some so time much. Yeah, I appreciate you too. <laughs> the love and support is the reason I do this. It's uh. for everybody, you know. It connects people. It's finally here, the Snyder Cut of DC's Justice League movie. Uh, for many. No one cares. But for a great many, it's a big deal and is absolutely one of the calling card items that uh, HBO Max is using to get people to subscribe. Of course, you can watch it via Crave subscription and I think an HBO add-on uh, with your streaming service here in Canada. So, you know, it's going to cost a pretty penny, but if you're interested in watching it, it is available. Showed up first thing this morning, four hours and two minutes long. That's the, that's the real runtime. Four hours and two minutes half of your eight-hour workday. The length of time it takes to drive to Edmonton with no pit stops. As long as the longest Lord of the Rings extended edition, but you've only ever watched that in two parts anyways. Even the Blu-rays come on two different discs. That's just shy of a dozen episodes of The Office. Just saying, like half a season you could crunch in that amount of time. I'm curious, Arwen, see if I'm, see if I'm still with it or if I've gone down the rabbit hole. Friday. This is a real thing that is happening in Oklahoma. There's a Bigfoot bounty, a cash prize, and it was originally going to be suggested at about the, 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 the height of $25,000 American if you could provide proof, like definitive proof of Bigfoot. But now it's $2 million plus. A couple of uh, caveats and addendums, though. Over $2 million could be yours as long as the cryptid creature has been captured alive, uninjured for the most part, and within the bounds of the law. Can't be doing any criminal activities to make this thing happen. That's right, the state of Oklahoma itself, not an organization within it, the state is ponying up $2 million for definitive proof of Bigfoot. Meanwhile, the province of Alberta has spent just about as much on the war room to wag a finger at a cartoon Bigfoot instead. I see. Treats that you can find just about anywhere, and apparently that's a problem. Ontario MPP, a uh, member of provincial parliament, suggesting banning junk food sales at the cash register. And I believe that this would just be for the province of Ontario, but still, precedent is a precedent. They're calling it the Temptation Be Gone Bill. Yeah, because my temptation starts while I'm in line. Yeah, right, no, my temptation is the reason I'm in line at the gas station, okay? Especially because I can just tap at the gas, uh, you know, pump itself, right? And those snacks right beside the cash register, let's be honest, they are the add-on-sized treats. We know where the full-size ones are already. And nothing's stopping us from going there. That's just it. I think this is funny. Obviously, no one would really want to be told what to do as far as their snacking habits. So, I mean, getting rid of the junk food entirely isn't going to really do anything except get laughed at. But then again, if you're just going to move where it is to 
three feet to the left. I, I don't know. I don't really see how effective that is. What I might be interested in, maybe, is the actual exit aisles that are entirely junk food. You know what I mean? This is a new thing that's happened in the world where you can barely leave uh, any chain store, any big block store, without having to go through that gauntlet of temptation, okay? That's where we've got some issues. You're listening to the Steve Reeve Podcast from 100.5 Cruise FM. Looking at music news, uh, we've got uh, Coachella 2021 officially not happening. At least not in 2021. The gigantic Californian music festival set over two consecutive weekends is a summer staple for some people, but was postponed to October of this year due to COVID caution. Uh, previously, technically, this is actually the 2020 Coachella as well, which has been postponed now a total of four times with the new hopeful dates set for April 2022. We'll see. And in less than a week, you could own some of the gear that Blink-182 has used to create their albums over the years. Tom DeLonge is teaming up with Reverb to set up an online store of over 100 unique items and instruments used by the band either on stage or in studio. While every single amp, pedal, keyboard, case, and more has a price attached to it, some are already calling the collection completely priceless. Tom himself adds... A lot of these still have the original settings for the songs they were used on. Any Blink-182 cover bands in the area? You're welcome for the heads up. Got my headband mullet on for March mullets. Hashtag ask me about my mullet. But I want to get into a punch lineup. I think it's a prime opportunity to, with the story that I just read about how there's a scientific proposal, nothing signed on the dotted line yet, no money allocated, but a proposal to send six million sperm and egg samples to a vault on the moon, much like the seed vault in Norway that's in, you know, an island in the Arctic Circle, very remote, very cold. Not as remote and cold as the surface of the moon, though. So, I mean, on that end, the idea has legs. I would personally lose the mosquito canister, but that's just me. I also think that if aliens didn't already think that we were weird, this idea is pretty much gonna cinch it. Uh, But the setup for the punch lineup, scientists propose plan to send six million sperm samples to the moon. The mission also doubles up as a visual metaphor for getting pregnant. I mean, it does. I mean, the rocket and the moon and you sit... Never mind. Scientists propose plan to send six million sperm samples to the moon. Boy, I sure hope that that rocket can get it up. The payload, that is. And I'm not sure calling it that really helps it sound any less dirty. Scientists propose a plan to send six million sperm samples to the moon. Well, that's a funny nickname for your mom. Rude, right? Rude. That one's rude. Scientists propose plan to send six million sperm samples to the moon. Whatever you do, just don't send the royal family's DNA. I don't want the entire species to end up transparent should the comet hit. And finally, scientists propose a plan to send six million sperm samples to the moon. I'm not sure about the slogan for the campaign, though. It's the Lunar Mission with Spunk. There's got to be a better way to say that. Transmission over. Want more, Steve? New podcast episodes happen every Friday, or just tune into the Steve Reeve Show. Weekday mornings starting at 5.30 a.m. on 100.5 Cruise FM.